Welcome to the Craft of Coaching podcast, where you'll learn about how to become a life coach with a strong skill set through understanding the craft of coaching. I'm Kate Swoboda. As director of a life coach training and certification program called the Courageous Living Coach Certification, I'm passionate about the craft of coaching and how we evolve our skills and the industry. Learn more about the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program at teamclcc.com. That's T-E-A-M-C-L-C-C.com. And here's today's episode. All right, here we are. So the topic for today's episode is creating group coaching programs. Usually when people are thinking about becoming a coach or if you've just graduated from a life coach training program, you're thinking about one-on-one coaching. You're thinking about how do I get as many one-on-one clients as possible? And if we go with like an average of $100 an hour, if I can get 10 one-on-one clients at $100 an hour, if I can have 10 clients a week, like you know, that's kind of how people tend to do the math. They go, oh, well, I could make $1,000 a week from working with 10 clients each week times four weeks in a month. There we go. I can make that those numbers work. That's often how people think about it. And it is true, I think, that if you are becoming a coach, that you do need to make sure that you know your, your one-on-one client game. Um, I actually really think that before you start trying to do group coaching or, you know, however your group coaching is going to show up, whether it's a program or a retreat or a workshop or something else, you do need to have a really strong rootedness in the craft of coaching in the way that you would work with one-on-one clients. And the reason for that is that everything that you have to bring to the one-on-one coaching environment is something that can be extrapolated to a group coaching environment. Now, throughout today's episode, when I'm talking about a group coaching environment, I'm going to keep saying group coaching, but I am meaning all of those potential group learning opportunities. It could be a telesummit. It could be an e-course. It could be some kind of a private Facebook group. That's a group coaching environment, or it's one where some group coaching can potentially take place. Workshops retreats, breakout sessions at conferences. Maybe you have some designs on getting into the corporate world and being able to facilitate some work for people who are um, in the corporate environment, maybe getting hired by a corporate entity to come in and be their resident on-call life coach slash leadership development person. So if you want to learn about group coaching, you've got to first start with understanding basic coaching principles. You've got to first be able to do all the things that great coaches do, which is about building that trust and rapport, really being client-led rather than coach-led and examining yourself for bias and making sure that you're coming back to the client's agenda. Establishing a goal for a client session, something that's very commonly done, becomes establishing a goal for a group coaching session or a group learning environment. And in the Courageous Living Coach Certification, we talk about, we have a little bit of a different take on goals than some other coaching programs, or I guess the industry in general, in that we think that they can be helpful, they can be useful for the structure of coaching, but we don't want to get too attached to them. And that's something that's really important to know how to do, how to say, okay, here is the goal we're working with, but we're not rigidly attached to it, because especially in a group environment, 
that's where you really have to have some level of flow. You have to be able to move with what's happening in the group environment. And yeah, for sure, if you're going to have, you know, today's the day that we talk about overwhelm in your career and next week is the week that we're talking about overwhelm as a parent, for sure, those are, are, are two separate topics on some level. And you might have some goals for what you're going to cover within each of those topics, but you have to be willing to pivot in a group coaching environment and see when you need to spend more time on something than you might have planned or when it's time to let go with the juice of something else that's coming up. And those, for sure, if you're tracking what's happening in your coaching sessions one-on-one, those are skills in the one-on-one environment that then are also applicable to a group coaching environment. So... I'm going to talk in today's podcast about some of the things that you would want to know about a group coaching environment. I'm going to talk about what the benefits of group learning are. I'm going to bring up what some of the common fears are that that coaches have about group coaching environments. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about a program that I offer called Facilitate with Impact. And um, But that's not going to be the focus of the session. The focus of the session is really trying to get you clear on the benefits of group learning so that you can get the wheels turning as to how you might incorporate this into your coaching business, some of the common fears that come up and what my thoughts are and how you can not get stuck in those fears, and really the big takeaway, which is about how to bring your work, the thing that you most want to use your coaching practice to make the world a better place, how you can bring your work to a wider audience through some kind of a group coaching environment. So let's get into the benefits of group learning. Like some people, you know, people who prefer one-on-one coaching maybe, would go, well, why would I want to talk about anything that's personal growth oriented in like a group? Like I don't want to do that in a group. I would only want to work on like my personal growth stuff with a coach. And, you know, you're always going to find people who fall into that category. And you yourself might even fall into that category. But there are actually a lot of people out there who like being able to talk about the things that they face in the context of a group because they feel like they get that community and that connection that reminds them that they're not alone. So particularly for somebody who's listening to this, either newly a coach or considering becoming a coach or Maybe you're a seasoned coach, but you found your way to the craft of coaching because you're thinking about how you can really up your game as a coach and the craft of it all. You want to think about how to create the group learning environment as an opportunity for connection. That's why people are here. And there's this very old, outmoded school model that sometimes coaches get stuck in when they're creating a group program that's kind of like this teacher-student vibe. Like, I'm the teacher, I'm gonna give people the homework, they're gonna do the homework, we'll chat about it on a call, and then they'll get it. And of course, every course that I ever teach, right, has some of those components in there. Don't get me wrong, they're not wrong to have. But if that's all that's happening, What happens is you're only really reaching the people who learn really, really well by doing worksheets. So the benefit of group learning is that community and that connection. So anything you can do to bring in more opportunities for your participants to connect with one another, to learn from another, to connect as a larger group with you, the better. Um, Particularly because you want to think about, too, like, 
if you really want to make an impact with helping someone through something that they're going through on a personal level, maybe you want to teach something about overwhelm. Maybe you want to teach something about um, parenting and how to really reclaim yourself as a mom. Maybe you're wanting to teach something about um, powerfully going into building your business. Whatever it is that you're wanting to teach, people are going to want connection beyond when your course, program, workshop, retreat, whatever it is, ends. And so anything you can do to connect the people in your course so that they have each other still, even after the course ends, is even more benefit to everybody who's in the course. And it makes it more likely that they're going to really be able to follow through on the things that you teach. Another thing that can be really, really helpful with group learning environments is learning from other people's experiences. Now again, this sounds super obvious. As different people are sharing, somebody might learn from Mary Jane who shares over there and Mary Jane might learn something from Sally who shares over there. Got it. But again, a lot of coaches come into a group coaching kind of environment thinking, yeah, everybody will just learn from one another without realizing that facilitating learning from other people is a skill set. If I'm wanting someone who is speaking, who is sharing, to be a teacher for the entire group, then I'm going to want to listen for some specific things. Sometimes, it depends on the situation, right? But a couple things that you might be listening for, you might be listening for where someone got stuck and found their way through so that you can highlight for the group Look at how this person got stuck and how they found their way through. If you're trying to teach a skill set, you might be trying to listen for when they share their example, their take on the situation, did they actually get it? Did they actually give you an example that is an accurate example for the question you asked? So if you're asking people to share about some way that they reframed an internal critic voice and that person shares a reframe that isn't really fully a reframe. Like let's say you've been teaching people about how to work on those internalized critics and you ask for some examples from people, you know, what are some things you did to reframe that critical voice? And the person gives you an example like, well, my critic said that I was really lazy and stupid and I reframed it as, you could have done that better. It's like, well, you as coach probably know that that person still has some groundwork that they could go. And you don't want to tell them, oh, that's wrong, right? Because that kind of shuts down some energy. So how do you use that kind of a moment? Well, this is the kind of thing that it's like it takes a skill. Use the moment. Maybe you say something to that person like, you know, if you were going to take, that's great what you started with. If you were going to take that and you were going to like turn up the volume on it and make it even more of a reframe, What's like the next level of volume? And see if the person can go from what they shared with you to turning up the volume on that share and maybe go, going even further in the direction of the kind of example that you asked them to give. So there are all these ways that you can teach people through the one person who happens to be sharing at that moment. And you have to learn how to recognize those opportunities. And that is something that I really emphasize when I'm teaching people how to powerfully facilitate in Facilitate with Impact, which is the group program that I mentioned earlier. 
Last, a huge benefit of group learning is the way that you can extend the learning beyond the original training environment. And I did mention that just a few moments ago, but I really want to circle back to that because what you will find the longer that you are offering any kind of coaching business is that people move through problems in different ways. And when they've worked through one aspect of a problem, sometimes that's exactly the piece that they needed to work through in order to be ready for the next stage of a problem that they're facing. So anything that you're doing to help people move through one stage of a problem, you might not always see it right away, but once they have finalized the work that they're doing with you for your program, give them a little bit of time and then you might find, okay, here's the next phase of this. And your next group coaching offering can address the next phase of something that someone is trying to work through. So to give a really simple example of what I'm talking about with that, if you were offering a marketing course and you did like a month-long program to really help everybody figure out how to get their websites set up and get their sales pages set up and really you know, know what all the parts are to make for a really effective website, the next thing that people might be ready for after that would be, how do I get off my website? How do I get booked on podcasts? How do I get a social media presence that actually gets people interacting with me and get some traction going? These are the sorts of things that people might be prepared for only after they've completed an earlier leg of the journey. So when you run a group coaching program and you connect your participants, you enable a group of people to go on a journey with you and you prepare them simultaneously for the next leg of the journey. So if you are all about feeling very passionate about helping people with a really specific problem and you want to set up a system in your business so that every single aspect of that problem is something that your business is prepared to pivot to and offer, then you want to think through what are all the things that people are going to need while they're with me? What are they going to be prepared for what to work on next once they're done working with me? And how is it that keeping this cohort of people connected to each other means that the next time I'm offering something that's going to help people with the next leg of their journey, they know that I'm here and that this is an option for them. Okay, so now, having talked about all the reasons why group coaching arenas can be so helpful and hopefully getting you thinking about some ways you might do some group coaching, I want to talk about common fears. The big ones that I've heard have been really three, well, they're really three big ones. Um, how to not get overwhelmed as the leader, you know, because people think, oh gosh, you know, it can be overwhelming to like manage a number of one-on-one -on -one clients. I can't imagine managing, you know, 20 people in a group program. Um, another thing that people fear is that they won't be able to help people with different learning styles or different speeds of learning. And last, people worry about how to recover from so-called mistakes. And that's kind of related to the overwhelm. But when I talked about overwhelm as a leader, I was talking about um, meeting all these various needs and really getting to connect with everyone. And when I'm talking about recovering from mistakes, 
and fearing having a mistake. I'm talking about the kind of mistake where maybe you're in the middle of a live environment where a lot of people are looking at you or listening to you all at once and there is no opportunity to re-record something that you flubbed. It's all happening in real time and that can be really intimidating for people. Well, one of the things that I have intentionally built into Facilitate with Impact in order to try to work on that is real-time practice. So if you are part of the Facilitate with Impact program, you're actually going to be designing your course and doing these practice runs where you teach portions of it and get feedback from people on your teaching and you're swapping different skills, skill drills is what we call them, that get you an opportunity to practice just one aspect of the teaching environment. And the reason that I built that in is because people feel overwhelmed when they feel like this is just one shot to get this right, right? Like think about that for a minute. Like if you're feeling overwhelmed about how to be a leader of a group, if you're feeling overwhelmed or fearful of how to help people with different learning styles and speeds, if you're feeling some fear about how to recover from so-called mistakes that might happen in real time in the learning environment, all of those fears have one thing in common, and they are this idea that like you got to get it right because if you don't, there aren't do-overs. And generally, one-on-one, -on -one, we tend to feel like we have more control in those environments and more like there's an opportunity to say to the one person that maybe a mistake happened with, like, hey, let me be transparent about this. Let's talk about what happened. But with a group, it feels a little bigger, a little wilier, a little more, what am I doing here? So you've got to get practice. That's the big thing that I encourage people to do, to be to become more confident as facilitators. You gotta practice, you gotta practice, you gotta practice, you gotta practice. And if you're like, okay, I can't you know, join Facilitate with Impact, so what are my options then? Well, I, I've got one for you, beta courses. You gotta do a beta version of your course in some way, shape, or form so that you can learn truly what it is that's going to go into you being able to facilitate in a way that has you feel confident, that, that has you making those mistakes in a lower pressure environment and getting the opportunity to see how you would redo that kind of a situation. I also think that there are certain things that you can put into the structure of how you're setting up courses that can help you to not feel as overwhelmed as the leader, things that you can automate to make it a little bit easier. There are for sure different facilitation techniques that you can learn to help people with different learning styles or different speeds at which they learn. And then of course, how to recover from a mistake. That's really something that you just kind of learn over time. So the more practice you have doing something and realizing that you absolutely have the power to recover from any kind of a mistake, the more likely you are to just kind of like, uh, if there's a goof, it might be frustrating, might be annoying, and you know you're going to be okay. And I just want to say, I have been a teacher since, let's see, I stepped into my first classroom in 2002. So I've been a teacher in a lot of different ways for a really long time. And I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever run a single course where I didn't make a mistake. 
there's some kind of mistake along the way, right? Like some kind of like, you know, in the classroom environment, thinking that I had given students a handout that I didn't end up giving them. And they're like going, what do you mean? You never gave us this handout. And then I'm going, ah, I forgot to give them the handout, you know? Um, you know, I, I've done speaking events where I, you know, talk about one time really to get it right. I've done speaking events where I realized only after I finished that I actually didn't talk as long as I was contracted to talk. And I felt just total like, oh, you know, how did I get that wrong? And, and it's a really human moment to have. And it's a really wonderful opportunity to feel that kind of embarrassment, because it is a little embarrassing to make a mistake, and to go, okay, but at the end of the day, was I of service? Was I doing something that's in the direction of my deepest passion? Was I really trying to leave people with an impact that helped their life? Yes, I was. Okay, that's the best you can do sometimes. It really is. What you need in those moments is not some kind of strategy for never making mistakes because it isn't going to happen. What you need is as much practice as possible and help developing your facilitation skill set and your craft of coaching so that you can really trust yourself to dance in the moment. So I mentioned earlier that I was going to talk about Facilitate with Impact, and really, I'm only going to say this. It is a three-month program. You can learn more at facilitatewithimpact.com. A number of our Courageous Living Coach certification graduates and past participants are participating in Facilitate with Impact. And it is a program that, yes, is kind of intense because we really are going to have you working hard to create your course and practice it. Really, you're going to be learning how to facilitate through direct practice and feedback. The more that you can take the different components of facilitation and start breaking them into their various parts and getting an opportunity to practice with the small parts in a skill drill, but then put them together so you can see how all the pieces come together as one whole, the more equipped you'll be for the actual classroom environment where it's like, okay, some days, just as in coaching sessions, you know, there's some coaching sessions that require more of a particular skill set than others. There's some coaching sessions where you ask more questions and others where you do more listening. It's, it's not always some kind of like perfect balance thing. You're really learning how to dance in the moment between those small bits of skill set and the larger picture. And I think that that is something that however you plan to get your experience with facilitation, it's going to be really important that you get some time to practice. So find someone to do a beta group with. Try to run just like, um, you know, if you want to do like a big you know, nine-month signature program, try running maybe like a one-week program before you go into nine months. Try to take little parts and build from there. And the big takeaway that I really want to leave you with is this. Your work in the world can have even more impact in a group coaching environment. Instead of creating a business where you're working with people one-on-one -on -one and that's it, I know that it can be very intimidating to think about all the different pieces that go into a group coaching environment, but you really can learn, like, here's my checklist, here's my, my container that's gonna support me to really 
rock out and have fun in this environment and have a lot of people having fun with each other, you really can make an even bigger impact than you would with just one person at a time in one-on-one sessions. So really consider in your own desires for where you're going to go with coaching, how one-on-one coaching skills can be extrapolated to the group coaching environment, the benefits of the group coaching environment, and how you can get as much practice as possible so that you can really just dance with the moment and have fun the first time that you are running your group coaching program. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a moment to give us a rating in iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast, ah, so helpful because that helps other people to learn about this podcast and also listen in. You might also want to become a subscriber so that you always get the latest episodes. If you head over to the Courageous Living Coach Certification website at teamclcc.com, that's T-E-A-M-C-L-C-C.com, and sign up to be a subscriber, not only will you get the first information about whenever we open up enrollment, you will also get access to a number of bonuses, like our Become a Coach video series, invitations to webinars on the craft of coaching, and so much more. So I hope that I see you over there. Once again, thanks so much for listening. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day.